brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a, a, a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship uh, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God shows you as the first fruits to be saved, through satisfaction by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So to this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God the Father, who loved us and gave his eternal comfort, gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So far the reading of God's holy word. We now join and sing together uh, from Psalm 46. Psalm 46. God is our strength, our shield and tower. He will defend us by his power. The stanzas 1, 3, and 5 of Psalm 46. From 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the verses 8 through 12. I will read those words again at this time. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothingness by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders 
and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved, and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. As you have gathered, I guess, by now, that's not a very difficult passage of Scripture. So I want to warn you, the sermon this morning is a difficult sermon. So you're going to have to listen very carefully. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul, you may remember, is writing to the church at Thessalonica about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and are being gathered together to him. Let me make one other uh, statement here. I preached the first part of this sermon almost a year ago, just before I had a bit of an injury. So I didn't come back to preach this sermon then. Okay, so you have to remember, I preached this sermon on chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. I believe it was in August of last year. The church of Thessalonica had not understood what Paul had said about that earlier. As a matter of fact, they had drawn some very erroneous conclusions when Paul had talked about the coming again of the Lord. You might as well give up the world on the world, they said, and be prepared for the next which meant for them, for the people of Thessalonica, no more going to work and no more action or effort to deal with, to lead, to guide, to encourage the world to submit to the kingship of Jesus Christ. They simply gave up on this world and looked for the next. The first thing Paul then did was to nip that thinking in the bud. He reminded the Thessalonians of the sermons he had preached to them, sermons on this very topic, the return of Christ. Oh yes, Paul had indeed told them that Christ would return with haste. But he had also emphasized that before Christ's return, the great falling away must come, and that the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, namely the Antichrist, must come first. To help avoid confusion at this point, it is important that we recognize that the spirit of Antichrist is in the world already, as you read, for example, in the first letter of, of John, chapter 4. You see, it is a fact. There were and there are many antichrists, plural, who are, as it were, forerunners of the antichrist who is still to come. But now, in the first sermon on this passage, we focus specifically on the verses 6 and 7. In those verses, you will remember, Paul talked about what it is that conceals 
the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the man of sin. There he talks about what it is that prevents or that presently prevents the Antichrist from doing his deeds of lawlessness in the open. In other words, what Paul said there is this. Congregation, remember that the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. It is the spirit of lawlessness. But about the Antichrist himself cannot yet appear because Christ is still today restraining him. Remember, Paul talks about a someone, namely Christ, and he talks about a something, namely the preaching of the gospel that presently restrains, holds back the Antichrist. Well, now, that, I then said, that gives us perspective on how we are to live obediently before the Lord today. Think of it. We know now that as long as it is called today, the day of grace, so long the church is given the time to preach and to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. As long as Christ restrains the Antichrist, so long he gives us the room to press the claims of Christ on life on all of it, thereby calling it from darkness to light. Remember, Christ is giving the church, which is his body, Christ is giving the church both the time and the opportunity to act in his name, to show concretely what redemption in his name means for every sector of life. At present then, the Antichrist is still concealed. He is still being restrained. But, remember well, but he will not always be restrained. When he who now restrains the lawless one, says Paul, namely Jesus Christ, when he is out of the way, see then the lawless one will be revealed. Then the son of destruction, of perdition, says the RSV, then he, the Antichrist, will appear on the scene whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Well, with that we've come to the text for this morning. The verses 8 to 12. I'm going to speak again on the theme, the gospel of Christ and the Antichrist. We will now listen uh, to the Antichrist revealed and the Antichrist destroyed. In verse 8, Paul says, among other things, that Christ, by the appearance of his coming, will destroy the lawless one. Let me also say at this point, I quote, I see that you have the, the, yeah, the ESV, I quote from the ESV. Paul, by his coming, will restrain or will destroy the lawless one. 
Then in verse 9, he talks about the coming of the lawless one by the activity of Satan. You hear it? Paul uses the word coming twice. Once in reference to Christ and once in reference to the Antichrist. Well now, the Greek word in both instances is the word parousia. The word parousia expresses the coming of a divinity who makes his presence felt by the revelation of his power. In other words, you know that such one is present because you sense, ah yes, you feel, you experience his power. What Paul is saying, therefore, is this. The parousia, that is, the advent, the coming of the Antichrist, will be altogether in line with the activity, the awesome powers of Satan. So the obvious question now is, what will that be like? Will it mean chaos? Will it mean total destruction, complete annihilation? There are, as you may know, yes, there are many people who are very afraid of another world war. They are afraid that such a war might unleash the tremendously destructive powers of nuclear armaments. We must avoid such a war at all costs, they say. We must ban the bomb. Just pay attention to the spirit driving the writers of those letters. And then remember, the devil, the devil rubs his hands in glee. Such thinking is right up his alley. After all, what does the Bible say here about Satan's activity in the end time? Will he strive for chaos, for destruction, for annihilation? No, not really. As a matter of fact, Paul points in the opposite direction. The coming of the lawless one, writes Paul, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. The RSV then used the word pretended here, with pretended signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Did you hear? See, the Antichrist is not going to give the appearance that he wants to tear life apart, but that he is building it up stronger and more beautiful than ever before. The power he will display, the signs he will show, the wonder that is, the miracles he will perform, see, they are pretended. Ah, yes, they are false. Oh, no, that means, you understand, that means that they will be used to deceive. They are lies. But, 
about they are all, they are meant also, yes, in the first place, as a matter of fact, they are meant to leave the people breathless, dumbfounded, utterly amazed. The people will bubble over with enthusiasm. They will say, how, how is it all possible? I remember well when the first Sputnik was hurled into space by Russia. That's back in 57. I, were, I remember also the open-mouthed astonishment as America then blasted its first spacecraft into the blue beyond, which was in 58. Oh, yes. People gulped in utter amazement. How is it possible? This, oh man, they said, I ask, this is your peace and your security. Now and always, your technological know-how. And that faith, See, it is ever anxiously looking for validation and confirmation. After all, it is a faith that is based on the lie. It is ever anxious to be revitalized and bolstered. It looks for validation in ever greater and more daring exploits because a society that has pinned its hope on technological achievements is a society that is bound, yes, that is forced to look for ever new accomplishments. After all, it has staked its life thereon. But that power, those signs and wonders, all of them are false. Mind you, not technology as such is false, but man's use of and his trust in technology. See, that is false. That is, it is unto death. The people, says Paul, the people will be caught up in the blinding web of the lie of deception and deceit, and they will not know it. And that, see, that is the most frightening, the most fearful thing imaginable. For sin, as you know, sin has always had this characteristic. It is deceptive. There is something about sin specifically about immoral, perverse, corrupt behavior. There is something about sin that is attractive. It lures people. However, there is today still a counterbalance to the attractiveness of sin, namely the bitter aftermath, the fear of of consequences. Just pay attention to the news and you'll see it every day again. That fear, the fear of consequences, that fear has always had a restraining influence. 
That fear has usually kept people from really living out the sinful rebelliousness and hatred of their hearts. I ask that fear, the, f- the fear of the devastation that would follow, has usually kept them from the beastly and demonic acts of which they are capable. When you then reflect on the sex education bill that was foisted on us by the Wynn government some years ago, then you know that the goal of such a bill is, it was, to eradicate that sense of fear so as to open the door to sexual perversion to the children of the land. Now, in the end days, the Antichrist will use only powers and signs and wonders. Oh no, he will surely not say that morality, a sense of morality, needs to be destroyed. Surely not. Instead, he will want to give the appearance that life is, that life will blossom. Yes, he will make it appear that life is blossoming. He will make people believe that it is really blossoming. He will do only such things as will excite them and bring them to ecstasy. You've heard about and seen their parades in places like Toronto and Hamilton. Then, in other words, then there will be nothing in sin that frightens anymore. Nothing that restrains it anymore. There will only be the enticement, the enchantment, the allurement of continuous progress and betterment. Thanks to lawlessness. A progress that will legitimize itself by appealing to what will be called the facts. I say... But isn't that a bit far-fetched? Well, think for a moment of what was at one point dubbed the new morality, which was in fact nothing more and nothing other than a revival of the old hedonistic morality, as Paul had already addressed it in Romans. Ask yourself, what made the new morality not only so very attractive, but also so very possible. Was it not the advancement in medical technology, especially the development and ready availability of a host of contraceptive devices? The cords of the older, restrictive, inhibitive morality could be thrown away now. Yes, now people would at last be free, free to act out, free to express the sinfulness of their hearts without any fear of consequences. Now life, they said, could really blossom 
No more anxieties, no more inhibitions, no more warped, guilt-ridden personalities. Such, you understand, such was the good news according to the advocates of the new morality. Hear now what Paul says. Note that he is not, not merely talking here about the accomplishments of man that will capture and enthrall the hearts of, of men. Rather, Paul talks here specifically about the working, about the energy of Satan. He talks about a superhuman and above a more than human power, a power no one can oppose, a power no one can hold back, a power no one can escape. I ah, see, a satanic, a demonic power will be unleashed, and no one, no one will be able to defend himself against it. Anymore. Today, see, today people are still able with effort to defend themselves, to say no when they face temptations. But then, when the lawless one is revealed, then those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and so be saved, then all such will be sucked into the whirlpool, the cesspool of iniquity. That will happen, you understand, because then there will only be what Paul calls here wicked deception, namely the pleasure of of unrighteousness. See, then people will be deceived in a most frightening way. Yes, they will be caught in the clutches of the lie. But no one, no one will notice it anymore. And should anyone notice it, who would be unable to do anything about it? You ask now, why? Why is that so? Well, that is so because the Lord will in that day send them a strong delusion, writes Paul, so that they will believe what is false. You understand? See, God will do that. You tremble when you read those words. Think of it. God, the the Lord God Almighty is going to send that working of delusion, that power of deception. But why? Why will God do that? Yes, why will he send the Antichrist? Why does he simply come with his judgment on the godless? Why must the Antichrist come before the Lord Jesus will, can appear on the clouds of heaven? In other words, why will the Lord permit people to become so enchanted by the lie? To become so caught up in the stupefying workings of Satan that they cannot escape? Why? Hear well. But Paul writes an answer to that question. 
Therefore, God, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order, listen carefully now, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Did you hear? I see this is the reward which they receive who refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Remember, first the gospel had come to them. The gospel had sought them to set them free. The sovereign grace of God was proclaimed to them because God did not want that any should perish. See, that is why he postponed the end for many years. In his boundless love and mercy, he made known the way of salvation, the way of truth. See, that is the only reason why he held back the Antichrist. Think of it. God sent forth his son, his spirit, without measure, writes John. Ah, yes, he set in motion the powers of the age to come, the powers of heaven. And yes, he restrained, he held back the powers of hell. See, he poured out the powers of grace in order that people might be saved. Yes, in order that the people not yet caught up defenselessly in the clutches of the lie might have deliverance in Jesus Christ. But, uh, but when they persistently refused to believe the truth which came to them with the powers of heaven, you understand, see, then God will eventually say the truth they have despised. Now they must, yes, now they shall believe the lie. When they willingly offer themselves up to the mystery of lawlessness in a time when they could still, in a time when they were able to offer resistance to it, then God says they have trampled upon the truth now they must, yes, now they shall experience the delusion of the lie. Yes, they could have been saved, for I sought them with the gospel of salvation. But now, and now they shall be condemned, because they chose, they chose to reject the word of truth. See, they refused the powers of heaven that they might be saved. And they wanted to build up a life on earth in their own strength and for their own glory. But all of that, all of that was doomed to failure. For they will all get sucked along by the powers of hell unto destruction. There will no longer be a fear of sin and of its consequences then. The Antichrist will build up a small, a smiling, a laughing, and hilarious life. 
But remember, says the Lord, remember it is I, the Lord God, the Almighty, who will let him do that. I will let him pour out the wine of delusion, promising instant magic happiness. I won't hold the people back anymore. I'll let them go. I'll give them up. I'll turn them over to another, to the demonic powers of pure deception. And none, none shall be able to convert anymore. None shall get his or her fill of sin anymore. None shall come to himself, to his senses anymore. They loved the lie when I, the Lord, sought to save them through the truth. Now the satanic powers of the lie will drag them along irresistibly unto damnation. And none, none shall escape. Through the Antichrist, I close the net upon the world. You understand? See, also, the Antichrist is ultimately a servant of God. God sends the Antichrist in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Then you hear it. The Lord avenges the rejection of the gospel through the Antichrist. Remember, the Antichrist was restrained in order that the gospel might be preached to all the world, that all might come to the knowledge of the truth. Thereafter, the Antichrist will be revealed because of the gospel, the word of truth, that was rejected. It is so very important that we understand that well. It is no secret that church attendance throughout North America is dropping every year. Many people, especially the youth, see little good, little benefit in it. There are so many things that are more interesting, so much more enticing. I want to warn you, parents, don't underestimate the power of that spirit. It means to have and to hold, to captivate your children. It is so deceptively tempting to think that the youth must be given the time to find, to discover themselves. In order that then, thereafter, they may become good members of the church. No doubt, it is all well meant. But one thing, one thing is foolishly forgotten. The Antichrist will come at a time set by God. 
then you understand what is so frightening about the decline in scripture reading in the home at mealtime and the dwindling enthusiasm for Bible study and the apathy, the coldness toward Christian action. Therein is revealed an indifference to a neglecting of the love of the truth. But remember, our God will avenge that apathy through the son of destruction whom he will send with the power to delude, with all power and false signs and wonders. It is possible that those who have little interest in the word today may have good intentions for a later date. But when the Antichrist appears, they will be lost forever. Remember, we cannot begin to imagine, we haven't got the faintest notion, what awesome powers of illusion will then be released. We know only one thing. Those caught in those powers will never escape them again. Remember it well. People who despise the word of salvation today will become the prey of Antichrist, the son of destruction, tomorrow. No, he has not yet appeared. He is still being held back. Therein is an urgent appeal. Hear, hear the good news and believe and be saved. And God warns, remember, remember the Antichrist will come. And also that word of warning is gospel. Our God pleads with us, be reconciled to me, the God of life, the God of truth, before it is forever too late, because you are sucked, before you are sucked along by the power of the lie, the power of death. Just a word yet about the last thought, the Antichrist destroyed. See, that the work of the Antichrist is indeed the lie of lawlessness is evident from what is here said about his destruction. Oh yes, it's true. He will indeed delude. He will deceive the world. But it's also true. Thereafter, his kingdom will collapse like a house of cards. The laughing, shrieking world he built will come to nothingness. The Lord Jesus will kill him, says Paul. Ah, yes, he will blow him away with the breath of his mouth. Moreover, the Lord Jesus will bring him to nothing, says Paul. That is, he will utterly defeat him. He will render him and all he did useless simply by the appearance of his coming. 
You understand? See, the very fact of Christ appearing on the scene, remember, Christ makes his coming, his presence felt by the revelation of his power. Well, now, the very act of Christ appearing on the scene is enough to blow Satan's henchmen out of the way. I need to say a little about that. Oh, yes, the Antichrist is strong. No man, no human being can withstand him. But the Lord Jesus comes right behind him on his heels and simply destroys him, wipes him out. That's what Luther sang about when he wrote, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear the prince of darkness grim, one little word shall fell him. And this, yes, this is the gospel, the good news. Oh yes, we are afraid when we think about the awesome power of the Antichrist. We ask, how? How can we and how can our children withstand the lying and the deceiving powers of the Antichrist? If it is true that the temptations of man can lead us astray, and it does, then what will become of us and of our children when the powers of Satan are unleashed? But now remember, you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, You have taken hold of his word of truth. You are safe. You are unconquerable. Oh yes, you will feel, you will sense the powers of delusion. But but you are already caught by, held by, yes, you are already a captive of, a captive to the love of the truth of God. Remember well, all who are held by and cling to the word of truth are forever safe. For the powers of him who is able to destroy the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth, his power dwells in you. We are more than conquerors, remember, through him who loved us. See, that is why we don't forsake the world or our task in the world today. We do our work. We live our lives in the fear of the Lord until the day our Savior will appear on the clouds of heaven. Then we will shout aloud with that great multitude, Hallelujah for the Lord our God. The Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And, ah yes, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her, to us, Church of Jesus Christ, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds 
of the saints. Praise the Lord. Amen.